G'day Hawks and welcome to episode 25 of the Hawkcast. Our guest today, he has been playing for much longer than my cricket has been around. So take these stats with a grain of salt. But he has played at least 66 games from the Hawks with at least 638 runs and 61 wickets. But I'm sure it's much, much more than that, which we will hear about. Welcome, Jason, the Silver Fox Churchill. Welcome, Churchy. Hello, Gilly. <laughs> Hello, Cobb. How are you, boys? <laughs> oh, it's I oh, know there's a bit of pressure here because Churchy's run his own successful podcast. I know. So. Feel free to give us some tips as we go. Oh, <laughs> uh, good. Uh, just directing to the mic so it doesn't sound like it's echoing is what I got told when I was been doing the Suns ones. But outside of that, it's uh, okay, all that's good. That's good. Are you, are you still doing those? Uh, we due to COVID, obviously. Um, I'm not a formally uh, official staff member, um, so I'm not allowed on site, mm-hmm. and I like to do it. Um, under controlled environment and on site. So last year it got cancelled. It was going to come back this season, but the AFL squashed that and basically we've got a very tight reign, particularly with the Gold Coast Suns being AFL owned as well. Um, The last thing they want is um, anything that happened at the Gold Coast Suns, um, they hit enough uh, headlines with um, poor performances, unfortunately, uh, this season. So, yeah. Well, hopefully, yeah, that that podcast comes back uh, with, with time. But, uh, but I guess, uh, yeah, more more specifically with you. So, are you your Gold Coast born and bred? Uh, I was actually born in Hobart. Oh, so, oh uh, that's of course you're a yeah, Hurricanes I'm, 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 I'm a Tasmanian uh, originally. Explains a lot. However, <laughs> however, <laughs> that's that's fun a bit. However, um, I've been on the Gold Coast since I was three, okay. so uh, late 70s, and uh, have seen a dramatic change on the Gold Coast. And um, yeah, actually went to a friend's place yesterday, and my grandparents just live over the, over the water. I used to paddle along their uh, their backyard, so um, just checking out a new place at Mermaid and. Uh, yeah, very small world, and um, it's amazing to see the, the transformation to Gold Coast and from what the population has been to uh, to what it is now, and how cricket's grown amazingly as well, which is fantastic. So, sporting wise, uh, what was your background? Was it always cricket, or were there always other sports growing up? Oh, there were. I played every sport. Um, I'm the sort of person who loves to give everything a crack. So, um, I'm sure the liquor sports would like to hear this, but uh, I did have a, a couple of seasons of hockey at uh, at high school. Um, played a season of uh, soccer, uh, which was good fun playing full back and taking some marks from corner kicks and stuff. Because my my passion is certainly was AFL, but it was a bit difficult to really forge a, 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 an AFL or VFL career in the eighties on the Gold Coast. Um, always loved my cricket. Um, wouldn't miss a game on TV, and you know, would, uh, especially the one one day cricket, the pajama crickets first uh, sort of came onto the TV screens. The coloured clothing, which was just attracting to everyone's eye um, uh, and what loving watching the West Indies run around um, so that was my really fell in love with with cricket but uh, any sport I got the crack rugby league and rugby union had a year of rugby union in high school and, and two years of rugby league at primary school so I gave it all a crack and played uh, club um, AFL on the weekend who was your like growing up who were your favorite cricketers to watch uh, I love David Boone obviously from Tassie uh, Dean Jones, I probably, as a young fella, probably had the wider stance and the uh, the Dean Jones sort of look and feel and attempted swagger and try to run between the wickets like uh, Dino. <laughs> and uh, he was an absolute ripper. Um, loved watching him go about his cricket. And the way he did, he did it in the field as well. Um, he was just so quick to the ball and didn't really drop too many catches. So uh, I loved the way he went about it. And um, 
uh, obviously Alan Border being a Queenslander as well. Um, but yeah, it was not too many, not too many Australian players. I didn't like it. Was just great watching as a young fella with uh, the way cricket evolved uh, in this country. And there wouldn't have been a lot of options cricket wise on the Gold Coast back when you first started playing. Where did you play junior cricket, or what was your first game of club cricket? You yeah, played? first game of junior club cricket was at Palm Beach. So I was a Palm Beach junior for uh, nearly ten years wow. uh, in total. So um, I was a little tacker. I remember turning up to. My first game, and I had my Burley Bombers uh, AFL socks on and got into a bit of strife because they didn't really go too well with the uh, the white shorts. That oh, shorts. Yes. Bring those back. White shorts. Oh, I had uh, the pulled up black and uh, yeah. black and red Essendon Bombers um, or Burley Bombers uh, socks on, which I ended up pushing all the way down. But they're the only socks I had, but I needed to, to help protect my legs because of the uh, the old strap and metal pads that we used to wear. Yeah, right. So this is the going buckles. Yeah, yeah. So you're really giving away your age now. This is buckles, yeah, yeah, 100%. Well, a 74 model I am, but um, this was early 80s. So I yeah. was, yeah, sort of 9, 10 running around trying to put these big big pads on because they didn't have that much of a great range of juniors, junior pads and, and uh, equipment back in the day. So you just normally got hand-me-downs from... Uh, other people at the club from where they'd grown out of it. So it wasn't great, but we did our best yep. and we had a pretty decent team. I, I, I dare say we, if we lost one or two games a season, it was a bad season for one wow. or ten years, but we did have a pretty decent team. So were you were you a spin bowler way back then? Were you, ah, what, what did you do? I, I initially started my career as an opening bowler and I'd back down sort of 9, 10, 11. Uh, until I was training for a um, for Southeast Queensland for uh, the Queensland uh, tournament one year, and I tore a meniscus in my right knee. At what age? I would have been 14, 14, 15. And, yeah, 14 I was, yeah, because I was okay the following year. And I... When I came back, I had six or seven weeks off, um, never had surgery or anything. They just had me crutches back at that age um, and at that time and had a, had a full knee brace on for, for that period of time and came back and was told not to bowl for a period of time. So being juniors, they give you all a crap and uh, gave me the gig as the opening batsman and um, you had to retire at 70 in under-16s and... Um, Two seventy threes and a seventy in the first three games of the season got me into the state carnival. Oh, um, like Gilly and I usually have the same so. problem too. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you're on to make a hundred, and then yeah, they tell you to come on. Oh, it's terrible! It's terrible. Uh, funny, funny story on that. My third innings when I scored that seventy retired. We were late. Mum had slept in and got me late to the game, and uh, as it turned out, I had to bat at eleven. So uh, I put on uh, 72 with the number 10 and uh, managed to get 70. So I was in pretty decent form back in the day. But uh, I didn't bowl for quite a, for a number of seasons then. I just, just, became, a just purely became a bat for, mm-hmm. uh, for the next three or four years and uh, was never good enough um, to, to push up the, the grades, particularly as I got older into, into Dolphins and, um, and, and senior cricket. Mm. So I uh, took up a bit of part-time off-spin bowling and was a middle-order bat and it sort of carried on from there. Yeah, that's what I was actually going to ask because I knew you were involved quite uh, a bit at the Dolphins. So it was straight from Palm Beach to Dolphins? Yeah, straight from Palm Beach to Dolphins. So Is that you I'll trying to have a, have a crack at, you know, playing um, further or what, what sort yeah, of... Yeah, it was initially, it was sort of, because the Dolphins 
just started their inaugural year, and they asked. So, what year was that? When did they start? I'm sure it was 90, 90, 91, 92 perhaps. Yeah. Um, I can't remember exactly. Um, and I got asked to play under nineteens for the Dolphins, okay. and also then fill in and play great grade cricket as well, and sort of thirds and fourths, and see how you go. So it was purely a recruitment drive from the Dolphins. It wasn't like. Oh, you're a gun, here you go, let's play. This is your career path. There was no career path conversation. There was no very, very minimal coaching initially. It was just turn up, have a hit. Um, so played under-19s, but we had a very decent team and a few of us from Palm Beach went along and played 19s as well, which included Andrew Simons and Matthew Mott. So wow. uh, it made our made our uh, our top three pretty decent. Um, Where did you bat in that team? I was in. I was batted three. So oh, okay. Moddy and Simo would open, uh, oh, and I'd bat three. Uh, there's an iconic, <laughs> iconic yeah, yeah, top yeah. three. So yeah. did so did Mott and Simmons uh, Simon. Sorry, <laughs> did uh, did they come from Palm Beach as well? Did they they, they played they played some game. Yeah, they played. Yeah. Moddy, Moddy and I were together all the way through. He was yep. a seventy four model as well, mm-hmm. and um, Simo was a year after. So when you had the 12s, 14s, 16s, every Every second year, Simo would come into our team. So, oh, right. yeah, it wasn't, oh, wasn't too bad. opens up many doors. Like, yeah. well, tell us about the real Andrew Simons. Um, What's he like at 17, 18? Uh, and do, uh, uh, well, yeah, and do you was, still ever yeah, talk to him? Yeah, actually, I, I bumped into him. <laughs> oh, here we I bumped, go. I bumped, here into, we go. I bumped into him um, at an origin a few years ago, and uh, he just leant forward, and uh, we're, we're in separate uh, corporate boxes, and he's leant forward and looked across, and I looked across at him, and he just yells out, Jerty, <laughs> it's been many a mango season, mate. So there you go. That, that's that's that sums him up. That's Roy in in a nutshell. He's what you get is what you see. He calls a spade a spade. He's a country bumpkin. So uh, his his parents, Ken and Barb, um, at All Saints. Uh, he went to All Saints, and and Ken was on site, worked on site there at All Saints, and. Uh, um, obviously West Indian born but born in the UK and adopted by Ken and Barb and he's an absolute ripper he's mm. sold of the earth I remember um, training at All Saints for Dolphins one day um, and this will sum him up uh, as good as it gets he goes oh Churchy uh, how'd you go with your end of year exams mate because he was a year younger I'm sure it was the end of year 10 for him and the end of year 11 for me I went yeah not too bad I, I passed everything I was never I, I was never a straight A because I didn't put the time into it I was too busy playing sport and the other things you're doing, great. <laughs> so I, I, I went okay, and he goes, "Yeah," he said, uh, "Not too good myself." Um, I really hope I do something with my career, career mate. Because uh, that's about what got. He knew back then, but he was he was an outstanding hockey player, field mm-hmm. hockey. He was sensational and probably. I think he was in Queensland schoolboys, and he wasn't too far away from from pushing up to the higher levels. So, no, he was absolute ripper, um, and just a, a knock around sort of a bloke. And as you see, and obviously you hear stuff that's happened over the journey in the media and what have you. And um, yeah, he's he just he is who he is, um, absolute ripper. And you know exactly what you're going to get. Um, very very much a straight shooter, but. Uh, they're probably the most talented cricketer I've ever graced the field with, in all fairness, and yeah, that includes a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I do have to quickly also just say Matthew Mott, then uh, also still the the women Australian yeah. women's coach. Yeah, so, uh, he's, he's carved out quite the career. 
He's, uh, I know that I have seen him uh, in the men's team as well because I know that Justin Langer's had him there as a, uh, a bit of an assistant. Mm. I'm in more contact with, with Moddy than I am Simo. Simo's pretty pretty private and, and knock around and doesn't, not too many people have his uh, contact details and he doesn't really grace social media that much. Mm-hmm. But uh, Moddy and I, I think, exchanged messages in the last couple of months, um, just saying, wishing him all the best and what have you. And uh, uh, I did ask him to come along. Um, he was one of the first invitations uh, before Bruce Oxenford for the uh, for our gala 40th uh, anniversary, and uh, Moddy definitely would have done it for sure. But uh, he, he unfortunately had other commitments, I think, at the AIS at the time. So um, again, he was ex- extremely talented. Unlucky not to play more first-class cricket. Um, played very well for Queensland and played probably just as well, if not better, for Victoria when he went down there. So. But he had it from an early age as well. Just amazing, particularly off his pads being left armour. Mm-hmm. A lot of young kids, a lot of a lot of young juniors. I was standing at the other end, and they would bowl a um, a line as if they were bowling to a right hander. So he just stepped inside the line and kept hitting it over deep backwards. <laughs> it was boundary and, and six up to six sort of thing. So it was good to watch. But he he's still around and uh, doing an amazing career and doing an amazing job with probably the best female sports team in the world. Absolutely. And uh, as cricketers go that you've played with, would they be up there as the the, the, the two best? Is there anyone else while we're on it? Um, I, I guess when you're not necessarily playing with them on, on a regular basis but training in and around the Dolphins uh, early doors, um, obviously Craig McDermott was there for a short period of time coming back from injury trying to get back into the test team. Greg Campbell was ridiculously talented. Um, Scott Muller on his day you'd, you'd be lucky to put bat on ball Bruce Oxenford himself mm-hmm. were, were, was a big turner of the ball Steve Story, Peter Anderson um, Dirk Wellham mm-hmm. um, it was a ridiculously talented Dolphins team and hence mm-hmm. I played second grade uh, I, was, <laughs> I was nowhere near any of their level mm-hmm. um, and then obviously Andrew Simons, Jeff Faff um, and Matthew Mott um, yeah. in that in that team as well. You can come up with pretty fair eleven there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, but, it's <laughs> superb, superb eleven. Oh, we'll circle back. Well, we'll circle forward to the Hawks mm. shortly. But actually, I feel like while we're kind of chronologically going yes. through, um, so obviously off the field, you highly successful. Um, tell us a bit, I guess, about sort of so in the investment sector. Was that straight out of high school? Or? Yeah, um, sort of. I I wasn't sure what I, what I wanted to do when I left Year Twelve. I just wanted to play sport, and I wasn't good enough to play sport at the the, the highest level um, at the time. And I knew that I had to choose. Well, I was told by my cricket coach to choose one or the other because I kept turning up to cricket preseason with busted ankles and broken fingers or whatever it may be from uh, having a, an AFL season. And I probably just wasn't quick enough to to. I had the right sort of size, but I wasn't quick enough. So. Uh, couldn't do that and um, realised after a couple of years that I wasn't going to be good enough to carve a career out in cricket. So I um, did a bit of bar work. Um, I did a diploma of business uh, on the side. I did a bit of cabinet making um, uh, on and off for sort of 18 months. But in the meantime, I actually scored a job with Queensland State Government with Workers' Compensation Board and hated it with a passion. But... I carved myself out a bit of a career there for six years and went okay, sort of a, a level one to a level four in the first couple of years, but then I couldn't go any further because my two supervisors were level five and they had to die for me to get a promotion. So it was hard to move up in the in the, the, the state government sector. So I was always looking at doing other stuff, 
Um, this will probably get a bit of a bit of a laugh out of a few, but um, I did a bit of acting and modelling on the side, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and we had a had a talent agency um, in a I couple did, ads did a or anything. Stuff. Uh, I was in um, I was in the series as an extra for um, Pacific Drive and Paradise Beach and Flipper and a few others. It's the stuff that got filmed here on the coast. A lot of local stuff. Um, background of a couple of ads, but nothing, no feature positions. And again, I didn't take it seriously. I never took, I didn't take myself and a lot of that too seriously at the time because I was pretty. Pretty young and, and relatively naive growing up through the 80s in particular, um, very different to the 20-year-olds of today. Mm. So it's probably 24, 23, 24 before the penny sort of dropped and went, oh, I've got to do something here. Um, and actually joined my stepbrother in his business. So I walked away from six years at work cover, um, uh, five and a half years, so sort of 23, 24 and then joined my stepbrother in business. Uh, he had a very, very, very small financial advice business with handful of clients and we grew that in the space of seven or eight years to about 4,000 clients and about 20 staff. So wow. <laughs> we went we went nuts yeah. uh, and had a uh, the AMP state manager come on board as our uh, as our third partner and he helped take the business to the next level. Outgrew that by sort of the late noughties, um, uh, sort of I was 708 and we actually split the business up and I took my Gold Coast base because it had an office halfway between Brisbane and Gold Coast. Um, took my office to the Gold and my clients on the Gold and set up on the Gold Coast. Um, and he went to Brisbane, and I took my pretty much my thousand clients with me and all my referral sources and set up shop and worked my butt off for the next best part of the next ten years before selling the business at the end of twenty seventeen because I was. I was finding myself, I was probably burning out, uh, had enough, um, the industry wasn't fun anymore, the regulation was coming and um, additional regulation in the Royal Commission, I should say, and financial services and financial advisors were just getting hammered for the right or the wrong reasons or any reason, it just wasn't uh, a nice place to be in and I was in a position where I thought I'm in my early to mid 40s here, um, what was I, 43 at the time, I thought I can step away from this semi-retire and, and press the reset button and, and I could see myself going down a bit of a, an emotional, mental battle if I remained in the industry because it wasn't fun anymore and I'd worked my butt off for 20 years to get to this point and I could just see it all being eroded mm. and uh, thought it's time to time to change. So What, what uh, <clears throat> for, you know, uh, young uh, club and stuff... Uh, what what sort of was the secret to your success? I guess in terms of turning something with what six clients into four thousand clients yeah, in the yeah. space of uh, eight years. Yeah, it was. Uh, there is there is no silver bullet. There's no magic ingredient. Um, that's I'll, I'll preface that. Um, God's given us two ears and one mouth. So uh, I do love a chat, but um, we do have two ears and one mouth for a reason. We should listen twice as much as we speak. Mm. Um, and believe it or not, I'm a very good listener and I take a lot of advice. So I actually surrounded myself with a lot of people that I look up to um, and I was mentored by and I still have that around me today. I actually had a board of advice um, that were unpaid because it would be deemed as a conflict of interest, but I had five people more experienced than me that we sat down on a monthly basis um, for half a day and went through business um, 
personal life, you name it, and that board of advice really helped guide me. Uh, and then I'd take the five of them out for a, a very long lunch. Um, uh, so it was an, a whole day event once a month, and we did that for a few years. So that definitely helped me because no one has all the answers. You won't find anyone that has all the answers, and I'm the last one that has all the answers, but I'm very well resourced, and I'll find the answer through someone else. So the advice that I can give anyone out there is there is no substitute for hard work. I'll kick that off. Um, and they say, oh, geez, you're lucky. Or, geez, how how come they're lucky? No, I know the formula to that. Um, Luck is actually the residue of hard work. Mm. So if you want to preface all of that, hard work is not negotiable. I probably averaged anything from 60 to 80 hours a week for the best part of 20 years, rather than working 30 hours a week for 40 years. It's um, it's the same sort of um, equation, I guess, when you consider that. So definitely... Hard work, um, back yourself, um, take some risks, but make sure they're calculated risks and don't risk everything, just portions of things. So, but you do have to, you do need to garner as much uh, advice as you possibly can and surround yourself with the right people. But also don't believe everything you hear. So second opinions, third opinions uh, are definitely the way to go. All right, Churchy, so when did uh, the Hawks enter your life, mate? Well, funnily enough, Paul Baird was uh, a client um, and we got chatting about uh, about cricket and I think we had a we had a hit of tennis on his tennis court and he, geez, he says, geez, you're, you're a competitive bugger. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like losing. I like doing my best. And if, I, if someone beats me and I've given my best, fantastic. But if I, if I, don't, I know that I haven't been at my best. I struggle to, to accept that. That's, it's on me. But I love people succeeding. I love watching people succeed. And, and if someone's better than me, full credit to them, fantastic. I hold no, don't have a jealous bone in my body, which is a, a, a gift, I think, because it's difficult to, uh, to manage that sometimes if you do have that sort of trait, which is uh, something to work on for anyone listening out there. It's um, definitely not, a, not a, an ideal scenario to have, but... Uh, Having that and chatting to Beardy about it, he goes, mate, you are super competitive. Come back and play a bit of cricket. And I used to play, he hadn't played for a few years and was too busy in, in the business and too busy working um, and gave cricket away after uh, I went down to Pottsville, actually. And I was captain coach, but asked to go down there in a paid position for a couple of years. And I was captain coach at Pottsville for two years. Um, Pelicans? Pottsville Pelicans? Pottsville Pelicans. We actually had a little jingle on the radio. Uh, Pottsville Pelicans, drink beer. Yes, we can. We can score a run and not a beer or something like that. It was, um, quite a funny little ad that came on for uh, down down that way. And they had a bit of fun there and played tweed rep uh, after having a good couple of seasons. And uh, actually picked up player of the year for the whole competition in first grade for my first season down there. And Gavin Robertson handed over a little trophy and... Uh, that sort of did me. That sort of sort of gave me a little bit of a stamp of approval to go, yeah, I think that was the 99-2000 season. So I stepped away from the Dolphins after about eight years of the Dolphins and even yeah, scored a couple of – I scored 100 for the Dolphins and I scored 100 for Palm Beach in, uh, in senior cricket and it just wasn't – I wasn't going anywhere. Um, and I was getting a decent bowl as well and bowling okay, but I just knew that I wasn't going to go – to the next level and play first grade QCA or Queensland. So I went down to Pottsville and helped them out and for a couple of years and then I stepped away for 
a number of years, what's that, 2000, probably 2001, and then the break was about eight years. I think I might have played a couple of games for Labrador, um, and then Bertie said, come along. So great call, Bertie. Thanks for <laughs> having me. And that's 2009? 2009. I think it was, yeah. it might have been, I might have had a couple of games in 08, 09 sure. as well. I'm yeah. not quite sure, but I had two solid seasons there. And um, um, so describe the Hawks in 2009-10 to us. It was um, it was a challenge, probably batting at six and running out of partners most weeks. Um, yeah, you sort of come in at sort of four for 60 or four for 80 and, and be either the last one out or not out on 30 and all that for 140 and then trying to defend that, which was a challenge. And we did it some weeks, but most of the weeks we didn't. So it was... It was a weak, a weakish team. Um, certainly, that that first season I was there was a bit stronger the following year, but yeah, it was the wins were were few and far between, um, and there wasn't any. There was a minimal depth, so there wasn't much pressure on the positions either. So if you did have a couple of failures in a row, there was really no one to uh, to, to knock you out of your position. Unlike now, I think. Mm. I was going to say you've you've had the opportunity to see that change over mm, over many absolutely. years. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. So it was. I mean, the culture was 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 good. It was fun. It was just. I was just happy to be out there gracing the field again and uh, running around and still being able a very limited preparation and very minimal training to still hold my spot and still perform okay in first grade, which was um, which was handy and uh, enjoyed playing with with Beardy and uh, and uh, Berkey and a few of the boys. Um, what would you say the biggest changes you've seen between now and then? Oh, definitely the size of the club and the juniors. The juniors have been phenomenal uh, and having been involved in them in the last few years as well. It's been amazing. The the overall culture, the feel, um, and it's very difficult because you've got a lot of different personalities, a lot of big personalities, um, not so big personalities as well. So it's difficult to mix sixth graders and fourth graders with first graders and then juniors and then you've got parents you've got like old silver foxes and dinosaurs like me and, and Beardy that have got a different ethos at times around what a team should look like and how they should perform and how they should respect each other in the field and then you've got gun 18 19 20 year olds coming on there and they're in a different era they haven't lived their life without an iphone whereas I mean, you've, the iPhone's been around the best part of 10 years, um, which is like 20% of my baby's lifetime and, and 15% of my lifetime because he's older than me. <laughs> <clears throat> Much older. But, <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? There's, it's a very different era. So, and there is that generation gap naturally. So the generation gap in life in general is one thing. On a cricket field is another. So there will be conflicts. It's 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 how they're addressed and, and how they're managed and they seem to be be done pretty well you, you look at the big picture you look at the um uh, the overall standing of the club um i believe last season overall we had the most teams of every club on the gold coast yeah and if you go back to the 2009-10 year uh, i'd love to see how that compared with <laughs> I wonder how that would have actually compared with the likes of a Palm Beach or a Broad Beach mm. um, in comparison to, to what we had sort of... This is only, we're only talking, what, 12 years ago, um, the 09-10 season. Yeah. It's only 12 years ago. It's not that not that long ago. So you compare that now. In the space of a decade, the, the club has come so far, and that's a lot to do. There's a lot of work that goes on behind, behind the scenes, having been 
uh, on and off the committee uh, a couple of times over that period. Um, and obviously you boys are both on it and, and being presidents and treasurers and committee members and driving forces behind it. I know that um, you can take a lot of credit for, for what I'm saying right now, but I, I have been involved. I was the player's rep and I was on the committee of the Dolphins for six years. So I know how the hierarchy works behind the scenes of a lot of clubs um, and that whether it's just being a player, a junior player or a captain coach or what have you, I've, I've been across that uh, and across multiple sports as well, being involved now as a coach, um, a junior AFL coach as well. So for, for the listeners out there that are, I'm not going to say just a player, but at this stage, you're a player, um, really take note of, of, of these comments around what goes on behind the scenes to get sporting teams with different ages, different personalities, different challenges. I mean, particularly the last two years we're dealing with COVID. It's, it's a nightmare been a nightmare it's been really well managed uh, I think by Queensland cricket and uh, and also the AFL um, when you look at teams actually still being able to get onto the field um, it's there's so much work that goes on behind the scenes it's it's immeasurable what actually happens at committee committee levels um, so hats off to to the committee for in, in, the, in the space of 12 years I've seen a dramatic change and it started probably with um, being on the committee there for a period of time with Ian Wade Parker and how much time and effort he put into it and uh, where the club now stands today with everyone that's contributed along the way. It's awesome. Would you have a on-field highlight and maybe an off-field highlight from your time at the Hawks? Um, time at the Hawks? I'm going to go back to really recent memory and one of the one of the highlights um, that, that has really, really stuck with me and was... was I was on an absolute high after that 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 game was, uh, yeah, I was I was involved in the latter stages of that game, but the the semi final win that the Masters had over Logan home at Logan in trying circumstances with a few things that had happened during the day as well um, with uh, a, a very a very average umpiring decision that actually went against us and then a bit of. Um, to and fro that, that occurred between the umpire and some of the players, we were cooked. We were cooked on the scoreboard. We were cooked mentally and emotionally. Um, they had eight wickets in hand. They had uh, five runs and over to score for the last few overs. The ball was doing nothing. The, 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 it was hot. The pitch was flat and the umpire didn't like us. Mm-hmm. The umpire, one, one did, because he was on our side, but... It was everything was against us. We were definitely against a strong current and the tide was just getting uh, even stronger. Um, so to actually turn the tide and, and have a miraculous, miraculous win and pick up uh, five, four or five wickets in the last sort of 10 or 12 balls or so um, and hang on by a couple of runs was just phenomenal uh, to get us into a grand final, which the Masters had never made a grand final mm. before. So there was a lot behind it and just... How much went into it, and I know how much work Mark Wade uh, does do, and just to see the joy in his face for us to, to get across the line when it was not looking likely at all. So that was that was a, a very recent highlight. I've mm-hmm. um, been been part of some other some other great wins over the journey as well. So, yeah. and off field, um, off just purely. So I'll go back to the juniors comments. Purely seeing the growth of the juniors, yeah. walking in to see the sign-on day and the presentation nights and all that sort of stuff for the juniors, 
um, being involved in junior sport and the AFL side of things, I know how much grassroots means to the local community uh, and to that local club. And it also points towards the future as to actually how that club and the community uh, is, is going to perform. Um, if, you've, if your junior numbers are going sideways or, or, or dwindling, that's where you sort of have a bit of a concern, um, but it's the opposite. Uh, we need more fields, facilities are the issue. Uh, obviously, we, we're looking at doing the, the clubhouse rebuild slash renovation or what have you at some point. Um, having, obviously, off-field, I know the club has done a lot of work um, yeah, with that, with, with, with Mud and everybody else, really pushing that back with the, the local government um, bodies, local council, Queensland state government, etc., to see that we have the facilities there. So these juniors that are coming through now want to stay. So when they become 15, 16, you start having other things come into your life and high school and commitments and university and what have you. If they're still keen on their cricket and they've got really good facilities to come back to, particularly the, the, the girls' side of it, the girls' sport, um, we need extra change rooms, etc., for for them. Um, that's going to give you your best chance to keep them when they do have that transition into, I guess, young adulthood when they're making choices uh, around, okay, what am I going to drop in my life? Well, the club's a bit run down, the club's a bit old, it hasn't got the right facilities for me as a girl, I won't play anymore. That, no one wins there. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the strides that, we'll, that the club and we've made towards um, having the redevelopment is, is that'll be a crowning glory win if not not if but when it happens because it will happen it's just a matter of time so that's been a massive massive off-field highlight for me just to see that progression um where it is it's it's good now it's good for now it's it's but it's not gonna it's not gonna stand up in the next two or three years so it needs to be needs to be uh, at the next level talking of juniors yes you're um as passionate a junior coach as uh, as they come uh some great speeches for the teams and whatnot but uh yeah tell us about uh well c- coaching juniors in general and specifically coaching your son jet um yeah. yeah how that experience has been oh it's been great i mean i, I it's not just sport so i'll cover across obviously a number of the guys have come across from the afl to, to play cricket in the last year or two um i just like the ability and, and gilly would probably get a lot out of this as a teacher himself um just the ability to mentor young people boys and girls um obviously i've got a, a, a boys team now in the afl and, and and what have you but i've had junior girls in the past at afl but these these young guys are at such a crucial point in their life as they as they do achieve as they grow a bit older but having the ability to i guess mentor them around not just the the fundamentals of of playing a straight bat or kicking a drop punt or catching a cricket ball but respect and manners and just the basics and the fundamentals that are i think in this day and age a little bit put on the back burner Mm. by some where it's it's just performance based and let's do this they're too young for that at this stage um and then as they do grow older, you can't reteach manners and respect, I think, um, once they do get a bit older, sort of set in their ways a bit. So having that ability to go in there and help them around that age, which undoubtedly 
I know shows through and 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 shines in their uh, in their sporting life as well because if they do have respect for their first and foremost for the umpires, secondly for their teammates, and thirdly for their opposition, they'll be better players. But if they don't have that respect, then they start losing respect for themselves because their teammates or their opposition may not respect them, and then they drop out of the game. So it's not just just oh, I'm scoring runs, but if you're not liked or you're not respected. You can score all the runs in the world. You won't go anywhere. So that's the fundamental that I see, the holistic coaching side of it, not just skills-based. That will come and natural talent, natural ability will come through and shine through it ultimately anyway. Um, they've got to be taught the fundamentals around the basics, around pure respect and, uh, and manners and courtesy and being grateful. Being grateful they're actually out there in the field having a run around where other parts of the world I mean you imagine being a, a 10 12 year old in India at the moment with um, with COVID and, and the healthcare and playing on a, 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 if you forget that for two seconds they're playing cricket over there they might have a, a cricket stump and, a, and a, a half taped up ball that is their highlight of the week but that's the game the facilities the um, the amount of um pads and bats and balls and everything else that you've got access to all or all, all of that these days that we've got they're spoiled for choice as i said i mentioned earlier about my old leather straps buckles and whatever they used to cut into your leg and you bat for half an hour and they start taking skin off because they're, they're harsh as that's why all my, my bomber socks to try and protect my legs for that reason i didn't want to lose bark because you, you're sore for a few days so the, the jet doesn't know how well he, how good he's got it <laughs> in all fairness um and my dad had a back injury and was too busy with work so i never got anything from my dad um because he couldn't not because he didn't want to he was gutted that he couldn't help me out as much as what he wanted he tried he tried to kick the ball for me and throw the ball and what have you but he was had a chronic back injury and 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 that's it so while i'm able-bodied and i'm able to help jet and his mates and teammates out and at footy and cricket i'll do it while i've got the time and I've got the energy and I've got the passion because I know how important it is to, to get the right framework around young people today um, and sport's just part of it. Cricket's just part of it. You know, it's part of our job as, as coaches. It's huge, mate. It's awesome. Uh, so we've had a few little name drops so far uh, with some of the cricketers you've played with, but we've got to ask while you've, we've got you here, Churchy, who would you say is the most famous person you've got in your phone right now? Oh, famous person in my phone. It's got, uh, I reckon he's got quite the selection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just take a while to, mm. you know, flick through all of them and then uh, try and pick one. Wow. Okay. Um, well, I must admit um, we went along on Friday night to Hotter and uh, watched Amy Shark, who's mm. uh, pretty hot at the moment, and uh, know her very well. Um Crystal, my wife, uh, was a best friends at pretty much best friends at high school with her, yeah. and uh, still in contact with her. And, Southport's uh, high. Yeah, yeah. So they were um, they, they were really close um, friends at school, and uh, got a uh, got a personal message after her gig Friday night. So they're still in good contact. So Amy's up there. Um, we mentioned Matthew Mott earlier. I'm an Australian um, uh, coach. Um, my cousin's pretty decent. Uh, I don't mind uh, name dropping Duncan Free, being an Olympic gold med- medalist from Not uh, bad. watching him uh, win a gold medal in, in Beijing rowing. in rowing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So he had four time four time Olympian, uh, won a bronze in Atlanta in '96, 
came fourth in Sydney, came seventh in Athens, and uh, won gold in Beijing finally. Wouldn't, wouldn't be many that have done four Olympics. No, no, no. Very rowing, rowing wise, I think five, five, maybe six might tap you out, but uh, four is a, a, an epic effort for uh, for for a rower. Um, wow, who else? What about most famous person you've met? Most high profile. Mentioned a few. Yeah, politicians few, uh, yeah, off, few, off uh, air. yeah, Tony Abbott, uh, Tony Abbott a few times, um, Richard Branson. Um, uh, okay, that's cool. Richard Branson, jeez, yeah, oh, trying to think <laughs> of conferences I've been on and different people I've met over the journey. They'll all come to me after yeah. the podcast. Yeah, that's, right. Right. Them that's always right. That's <laughs> a right. good one. For, oh, probably, your, probably your favorite band, Human Nature. Uh, Billy. <laughs> okay, all <laughs> of them. Saw them in uh, in, in Vegas, in probably. Vegas. Yeah. yeah, saw them in Vegas. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. It's um, those are, those are pretty good. Man. I reckon you have to keep going. <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon there's probably twenty people that I'll think of when I, when I, when I leave. But well, you've already given us a, there's been a yeah, few. There's been great. A few. Speaking of a wide selection, the last question we were going to ask before we get into our uh, super over segment. Yes. Uh, you're well known for your suit collection. Yes. How many how many suits have you got? And because yeah, we've we've seen you turn seen up in rainbow, yes. r- like pretty much every color under the sun. I've got about thirty jackets in total. <laughs> wow, all um, in the cupboard or some in storage? All or, in the cupboard. Oh yeah, all in the spare room. So you, you walk in there and go, which one am I going to wear tonight? Yep. Yes, yep. Uh, I did have that one specially ordered um, for the gala. For the, for the gala, yeah. Because I, I green and gold reversible. Because I did I did have a gold sequence one that I, <laughs> I would have worn, but it actually went missing at the uh, Holland Heineken house in Beijing after Duncan won a gold medal because I had it on and then Duncan wanted to put it on after turning up. With he, the gold? He, he was, well, we had to wait six hours for him because he actually had a random drug test and they had to oh, wait wow. for the result um, six hours after winning gold. So it took a bit of shine off mm. of winning a gold before he could catch up with fa- friends and family. But um, hit someone else then grabbed it off him and put it on. And left. So <laughs> it's, it's somewhere in Beijing. Beijing has it and, now. Uh, and funnily enough, that night, earlier that night, bumped into um, uh, Hamish, Hamish uh, from Hamish and Andy. Oh, so hey. I think it's my. I think that's still my old. So it's a really old photo. I think I've linked in. It's my profile yeah. picture. <laughs> you and Hamish. Yeah, Hamish and I having a bit of a wrestle. Um, so uh, he he was he was a ripper. He gave us the time of day for uh, for quite a good long chat. Um, as did Stephanie Rice. While I think of her, she was. Uh, very, uh, very nice young lady. Um, <laughs> and um, so I've got uh, about eight or nine suits in total, which has the matching pants, but uh, I don't wear them as much these days because mm. it was sort of a, it was funnily enough, it was a marketing exercise. When I mentioned earlier about joining my stepbrother in business, um, he was incredibly um, quite shy and retiring, but... He's a bit out there, but he's actually pretty reserved. So in order to be memorable, because we go to these business conferences and you'd have a thousand or so other people there overseas and you'd only met, remember three or four people, the person you sat next to at the gala dinner and two or three other people that may have got an award and whoever else. So Troy and I started to wear silly jackets just to change it up as an icebreaker. And they were horrific. They were like the old 1970s drapes. They were from Hong Kong and they were like velvety and maroon <laughs> and like oh, dark olive green and yeah, maroon. Love it. They were horrific. And Troy started to wear them and said, here you go, here you go, fella. That's how he spoke. Oh, fella. He's a dead ringer for Mark War as well. 
You can see you got a fella. Uh, let's, let's, let's start wearing these. And I went, nah, Troy, come on, mate. I'm not I'm not wearing that. Like, you killing me here? I'm, I'm 24. I'm in my prime. He's 10 years older than me. I'm like, no way, I'm not wearing that. So he wore it a couple of times. I went, it's working for him. <laughs> Give me one of those. Give me one of those. They're working. So we end up going to all these business functions, lunches on the coast, Brisbane, Canberra, wherever we were invited. Um, uh, Joe Hockey loved it. Um, th- these guys, these guys wanted to wear it when we did mm, functions, yeah. corporate <laughs> events, and functions and bits and pieces. So it was, it was. All, uh, I remember going to um, uh, Hamilton Island, uh, Hayman. We went on Hayman, and we had Kate Sobrano turn up and sing dinner, sing at dinner for for the twenty people at dinner. And first person she comes over to is the dude with a knucklehead jacket on. Yeah. So. It's amazing what it, it became a centerpiece of conversation mm. piece. So it was purely marketing, and I didn't want to do it. I didn't didn't think I needed to, but it worked brilliantly for us because then people would go to a conference, come back from a conference, and remember the people they sat next to at the gala dinner, who won two awards, and the two knucklehead insurance advisors from Brisbane or Gold Coast. It branded us. We then got a lot of contact from a lot of accounting practices in the area that started to want to get to know us a bit better and go, these guys have got a bit of an edge. Let's have a chat to them. And they started referring us clients. And that sort of goes back to why we grew so swiftly and get so many clients. And it was not, it was just one of those things. We didn't know how it would go. It wasn't a deliberate ploy. It was just a bit of an icebreaker and just something different. Mm. And it's just sort of evolved from there. Then the suits came into it and then we started getting matching Belts and shoes and shirts and <laughs> ties thing. and bits and pieces. So it sort of grew, grew its own life and its own leg. And then yeah. I started wearing a silly suit to the Suns games as well. And it evolved from there. So, um, so the, the, yeah, the advice to yeah. the up and comers is just yeah, find the most loud. yeah loud outfit you can find. Yeah. No, but, yeah. no, no, it's uh, no, that's actually like yeah, find a point of difference. Yes, in whatever you're doing, yeah, in business in life in general, just find a point of difference without being ridiculous, but. Just having having a bit of and having a bit of fun with it, and mm. don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah, um, as serious as I am generally on the cricket field because I like to just give my all, give mm-hmm. my best. I still don't take myself too seriously, really. Um, even though I'm even though I'm super competitive, so mm-hmm. and that was the same in business. We were super competitive, and we were competitive against each other. And it was just we, we were competing against each other, and we ended up being number one and two in the in the country for a few years in production-wise, which was quite funny and quite weird for both of us to be in the same office mm. being up so far up the tree, um, which is uh, why I'm, I'm having a break now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've earned it. But, uh, yeah. hey, look, we'll, we'll jump into uh, into the Super Over. So six wor- well, six topics, I guess, we'll throw at you and uh, see if you can... Uh, Just give us a few words, a few yeah, words well, on one, these one word, One word if you can. Yeah. But, yeah, we're not going to... We're not going to penalise you too much. Of uh, me anyway. giving you one word answer. <laughs> yeah, 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 we'll see how this goes. Uh, is, is this thing on? Is anyone listening? <laughs> me giving a one word answer. Wow, well, we just met. I'll kick <laughs> us off. Yeah, take your pick. I'll kick okay. us off. Um, so the first one we're going to start with is the kangaroos. The kangaroos um, rebuilding. Poor <laughs> um, uh, bed. Um. Elderly legend. What about finance? A good industry not to be in at the moment. <laughs> Coaching. Passionate. What about jet? 
Um, and he will listen. <laughs> he will listen. Uh, I'll give you. I'll give you my angle. Um, my job as a father and a mentor um, will be measured in his success. So he should surpass anything I ever do, and that would make me fulfil my role as a dad. So I expect him to be a, a, a much better version of myself um, if I give him all the tools that, that I've been given by my parents. So, but yeah, love him a bit. He's a little little champion and uh, he'll, be, he'll be a star. So yeah, whatever he does. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, last one was uh, the Hawks. The Hawks. Um, great culture, great club. Um, a memory that does pop into mind that I didn't mention earlier is the Ryobi day where we won that and the having Big Merv there and, and is it with Darren Lehman and Michael Seven and um, Thomas Thomas back, back, Thomas putting, back. It, putting it up on the road most of the time. But Dean Jones, is he? I don't remember. No, so, uh, Greg Matthews is Greg there. Matthew, yeah, there's a cast of thousands. It was fantastic. So that sort of thing with the Hawks, the, the Ryobi day was 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 amazing and that's, that's a highlight that sort of jumps out and that sort of thing wouldn't happen. Wouldn't it, wouldn't happen to a little club on the Gold Coast uh, without work that goes on behind the scenes, which was part. That was sort of almost the birth of the next level mm-hmm. uh, that the club's gone to, and and there was a lot of really good culture around the club at the time then, and it's just continued to grow from there. So great to be part of. It's great, Churchy, mate. You're an absolute legend. Thank you so much for uh, being on the Hawkcast, and thanks for what you do for. Thanks, Gilly. Thanks, Cobb, boys. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, to feel free, I'm an, I'm an open book and I'm an open door and anyone uh, wants to have a little chat about anything to do with life and love and cricket and footy or whatever it may be, I'm, uh, I'm happy to have a chat. I've got a bit of time on my hands these days, which is, um, yeah, which is a nice position to be in. So happy to, happy to share my experiences and if it uh, helps anyone out there, that's good. Thanks, Churchy. Thanks, mate.